Hi, everybody. This is Steve Bear, and this is the Latter-day Strength Podcast, where we take our weak faith and make it strong. Today's episode is titled, Charity Like a Little Child. So we are taking our weak faith in Christ. We are making it strong. We are following the admonition of Moroni, who commends us to seek this Jesus. And we are going to do it like a little child and experience greater love for the Lord. In the last episode, we referenced uh, 1 Corinthians 13 a lot. And before we jump into the meat of this episode, I want to draw our attention back to verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 13, which is another example of verses read in isolation that lose their meaning because we refer to them without context. So verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I read that verse in the past thinking, Steve, you gotta man up. You gotta stop being childish. You gotta be more serious, son. (laughs) It's almost like my mission president was talking in my ear. But, uh... I think there's a different meaning that we can apply to this. Uh, And so I ask myself, what are the childish things that Paul is asking us to put away? Well, I think he's asking us to put away childish faith. Not childlike faith, but childish faith. Incomplete, sophomoric faith, immature faith. (laughs) The kind of faith that comes from looking through a glass darkly or understanding in part, as he says in verse 10. So we are working on creating true Latter-day strength, the kind that prepares us to stand in the presence of the Lord on the day when he comes in his great glory, or when we cross over into the next life, or when our great faith produces the kind of manifestations that Moroni encouraged us to seek after. So one other point from the last episode that bears repeating is the concept that in the New Testament Greek, the word used for charity is agape, which is translated to mean love, benevolence, goodwill, or esteem. Well, I looked at Bible Hub and I found this lovely explanation. And it says, love which centers in moral preference And then, uh, so it says, in antiquity, it meant to prefer. And then in the New Testament, agape typically refers to divine love or what God prefers. Well, what if we think about divine love as how much we prefer God? Can we say that we prefer Christ to anything else? That we literally have no other gods before us because we prefer Christ. Now, I don't say this to indict you because I'm just as guilty. In fact, you know, I wrote this podcast on a Sunday. And on that day, I'm pretty certain I happened to watch a few highlights of, you know, some football and basketball games that were on YouTube. And yeah, 
I do that sometimes. But the reality is this is a lifelong journey and we are not meant to run faster than we are able. But we do get to put aside the other gods, especially when the Lord commands us to do so. So with that said, I have a little six-year-old daughter who doesn't like to attend her primary class. Um, Jenny's calling right now is the ward librarian, and mine is one of the facilities people. So, you know, every three months, it's our ward's turn to clean the church, and I'm one of the people that organizes the cleaning. Instead of going to Sunday school, I decided to just sit in the library with Jenny because she had our little six-year-old daughter in there as well. And so we decided we decided to start a little gospel discussion with her. And um, whenever I'm teaching <laughs> little kids, the first thing I always do is I take a piece of paper or a whiteboard or something, and I start drawing out the vision of the tree of life. So that's what I started to present to her, the tree of life. She's heard the story before, but because of what I had done in this podcast, I taught her how the tree of life, how it says that it represents the love of God, which sheddeth itself abroad, right? But what if it's not just the love of God or the love that God has for us, but how much we love God? When we partake of the fruit, we are partaking of a pure love for Christ. So that got me to ask my daughter if she would tell me who she loves the most in her life. And uh, I took notes. And we ranked the people that she has the most love for. So I'm going to share those today on this podcast episode. Her number one person, the person that she loves most, is her grandma Bear. And that's my mother who passed away in 2020. Her number two person, interestingly enough, was her grandpa bear, who was my father, who died in the mid-90s, um, approximately 20 years before she was ever born. So, you know what? If we subscribe to the idea that these little pre-mortal spirits have the chance to interact with their deceased future ancestors, then it's highly probable that she got to spend a little bit of time with her grandpa bear, that she genuinely knows him. Well, her number three person is, of course, Jenny, her mom. And coming in at number four in fourth place, not gold, not silver, not even bronze, <laughs> but it's me. I'm the fourth place person, the fourth person that she loves most. Well, then finally, her number five person was the Lord. Number six was grandma who lives down the street. That's Jenny's mom. Number seven was her oldest sister, my 17-year-old. And then number eight was grandpa, who lives down the street. And then, weirdly enough, the dark horse candidates for number nine and number 10 were not even her siblings, but her great-grandparents, <laughs> who she sees once every couple months. So that was kind of cute. But clearly my little one has a healthy respect for her elders and for people in authority. But this story is instructive because if we were to make a list and say, who do we love most or what do we love most? 
what would be 1 through 10. Now, recently, I admitted to my children that I have always loved their mother more than the Lord. And I can even say that I've loved my own parents more than the Lord. And I can even also say that there have been times when I love my own children more than the Lord. So doing this study has caused me to ponder, how can I show the Lord that I love him the most? Well, one answer to that question was the example I gave in a previous episode about not choosing to, to see Thor, Love and Thunder. Huzzah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean I'm going to ride that currency for as long as I can. But I asked my daughter while we were doing this exercise, how do you show mommy that you love her? Now, her honest answer was, I do what she asks me to do, except for cleaning my room. And then she giggled. (laughs) So that's a good reminder of what we sometimes hear about in sacrament meeting about our pet sins. And apparently her pet sin is room cleaning avoidance. But it caused me to think about how my little five-year-old, or sorry, my six-year-old, loves her mother third favorite person. How does she show Jenny that she loves her? Well, so here are a couple things that I wrote down. She loves, or sorry, she um, she is Jenny's little shadow. She basically hangs on every word that mommy says. In fact, she's a little bit of an enforcer and uh, a little bit of a mommy quote machine. It's like, whatever mommy says, that's what needs to be. Um, She does ask mommy to read her scriptures at night. So every night, Jenny gets in bed with her and reads her some scriptures. That's pretty cool. Uh, She tries to do things mommy wants her to do. Um, She's mommy's little deputy, and she tries to encourage her siblings to do what mommy asks, even though she's the youngest of seven. Uh, She cuddles with mommy. She sneaks into mommy's bed. (laughs) That's always fun. (laughs) She goes to mommy first when she's sad or in pain. She asks mommy to teach her to teach her and to play with her. She only wants mommy to help her get ready and do her hair. But she stands up for mommy. She's a defender of mommy. If mommy feels sad or is struggling, then she's her little defender. And she's generally very helpful whenever mommy needs something. So I suppose you can boil that down to she keeps mommy's commandments, except for cleaning her room. Well, the scriptures are replete with examples of the Lord asking us to become like a little child when he, especially in stories when he's ministering to children. So what parallels can we draw from the love of a six-year-old girl and her mommy? So here are a couple things I thought about. We can be the Savior's shadow. We can follow after him like a, child, like a child follows after their parents. We can feast upon every word that comes from the Lord, both through Scripture and through the words that come to us through angels, prophets, and other messengers. We can read the Scriptures with the Lord. We can obey the personalized commandments from the Lord. We can encourage others to follow after and love the Lord like we do. 
We can ask for and receive spiritual cuddles. You know, have you ever asked the Lord to hold you? It's pretty amazing. We can cry unto the Lord in our beds. We can go to the Lord first when we are in pain or struggling or confused. We can ask the Lord to teach us. And we can ask the Lord to help us get ready. So those are all just little variations of the things that I had noticed about my daughter's love for her mom. But I would like to invite you to think of a child in your life and who that child loves the most. Then ask yourself how you can love the Lord like that child loves their favorite person. And then mimic that love. Now let's consider a few sets of verses. Um, The first one comes from Matthew 18. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is verse 2. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Now let's look at Mosiah 3.19. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becometh as a child submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. In another episode, we'll do a deep dive about becoming as a child, but let me return back to that last point I made, which is essentially John 14. 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I would like to place a slightly different spin on this. And let me preface that by saying I'm very sensitive to the idea of programming or default settings. We live in a highly programmed world, even in the church, where we sometimes don't recognize why we do the things we do. So much of my personal journey and my professional work revolves around bringing to a conscious level the subconscious programming that keeps us stuck in ruts and apply that same subconscious programming to help us become even better when that subconscious programming is actually a success principle. So for example, we can ask ourselves why we do these basic things. Why do we pick up our phones as often as we do? Why do we eat? unconsciously like why do we just like grab that bowl of snacks now why do we disconnect from reality and plug into programming whether that be on netflix on youtube you know cable tv if you're a boomer (laughs) or social media or our social media feed um why do we swiftly swiftly react in anger to certain things why do we hold on to beliefs that limit ourselves and our potential why do we tune certain people out? Why do we tune certain people in? And in our study of this behavior, why do we begin to rely 
on our own understanding instead of relying on the Lord. So with that lengthy preface, let me just say that there are certain cliche phrases in our Latter-day Saint culture that have lost their meaning because they are repeated so often under certain circumstances. So let's do this object lesson. When I say the phrase, keep my commandments, what do you think of? Whatever your answer was, it's not wrong. It's just the first thing that you thought of. Now, you might have thought of, well, we love others, we read our scriptures, or follow the prophet, or go to church, or pay tithing, or magnify your calling, pray often, love the Lord, word of wisdom, law of chastity. You know, you could have named off any other commandments. Keep the Sabbath day holy. But what I really want you to think about is what are you hoping for right now? What is the thing that is deeply on your mind? And then, what is the personal commandment the Lord has asked you to follow in order to get what you hope for? So here's mine. What I really long for is to successfully provide for my family of nine by working in partnership with the Lord. I want to work smarter. I want to work more inspired. I want to have an impact. I want to live my personal life mission. And I don't want to get sucked into working jobs or careers that deplete me or that make me feel like I have to substitute happiness and satisfaction for money in order to provide for the family. I want, I'm like, we live in an and universe. So let me see if I can have happiness and joy and work in something that feeds my soul. So with that said, with the thing that I hope for, Then I ask myself, what does the Lord ask of me? And so I paused. When I wrote this episode, I paused and I sat there and I thought, okay, Lord, what is it that you are asking of me so that I can have the thing that I hope for? Here were the answers that I got. There are eight of them. So these are my eight personal commandments. Number one was to reduce my programming time. I'm not being asked to eliminate it. I'm just asked to reduce it. Reduce my entertainment time to things that build important relationships. So when I watch a football game, I'll go watch it with my father-in-law and my, and my kids. <laughs> that way we're building relationships. <laughs> okay, number three was choose healthy physical habits. Number four was to do this podcast. Number five, Follow through on the ideas I give you. Number seven, six, I mean, was trust me, trust me, trust me. Number seven, love me deeply and teach your children to love me. And then number eight was love the customers you are hoping to serve. So, As I wrote this episode, I paused and I allowed myself to receive these personal instructions from the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to do the same exercise. What is it that you hope for? And then what are the personal commandments that you have been asked to do in order to receive the thing that you hope for? What are your most important commandments, the ones on your list, 
not the ones that you struggle with, not your pet sins, not the, I don't clean up my room, things that like my daughter said. But what are the things that you are asked to do specifically by the Lord through the voice of the Holy Ghost? So this is my invitation. When you hear the phrase, keep the commandments, I invite you to insert one word, which is keep the personal commandments. Focus on the ones that are direct instruction to you. This is how you gain Latter-day strength. This is how you have a greater love for the Lord like a little child. When we long to keep the personal commandments, just as a dutiful six-year-old daughter loves to keep the commandments of the mother whom she loves deeply. Take the Holy Spirit as your guide, folks. Of this I testify in my weakness. Amen. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong.